live from Anatevka in the heart of the Pale of Settlement, it's the Jews on Film 50-ish episode Spectacular, with your hosts Daniel Zana and Harry Ottensaucer, and special guest Leah Gottfried. On with the show! Welcome to Jews on Film. My name is Harry Ottensaucer, I'm your Jewish film podcaster, and joining me as always is Daniel Zana. Hey everyone, my name is Daniel Zana, I am a video editor, documentary filmmaker, and a humble tailor for the sake of this, uh, for today's episode. Um, but I'm excited, Harry. Uh, you know, today, today we're, we're doing it. This is our 50th episode. We're very excited. Let me first bring in our guest. Our guest today is an award-winning director, writer, producer, actor, and creator of the acclaimed comedic web series, Soon By You, about young Orthodox Jewish singles in New York City. She's also the founder of Dignity Entertainment, a full-service production company dedicated to creating meaningful visual content. Leah Gottfried, welcome to Jews on Film. Thank you. Thanks for having me for this very exciting and special 50th episode. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big one for us. You know, we're excited to to cover Fiddler on the Roof from 1971. Uh, Harry, as you know, you've been along for 50-ish episodes and like this often comes up, you know, along with a, a couple other ones, which we may save for later. But yeah. Yeah. But but I would say this is probably our highest. It's not even our highest requested movie. It's the one where we tell people we have this, you know, Jews on film podcast. And this has happened to me conversationally many times. And they give me a, oh, like Fiddler on the Roof. And it's always like, yeah, yeah, we're getting to that one. Ha- not yet. Saving it for 50. And I will call out, you know, Danny, you said it's 50-ish. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, if you look at the feed, I'm not sure. I mean, first of all, I'm not even sure when this one will be released. So right. it might say 57. There's also some trailers and interviews. It depends how you count. But, you know, there's a Jewish podcast. I think we can safely call it 50-ish and just, yeah. you know, celebrate this, <laughs> this momentous occasion for us. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a big one. So thanks to everyone so far for listening. And hopefully, you know, we'll do 50 more and 50 more and 50 more until, you know, who knows how 13. long. Until 6.13. That's it. Yes, that's right. Then we're done. Then Then we're done. That's it. Uh, Leia, you know, so for Fiddler on the Roof, you know, this 1971 version, uh, I wanted to kind of ask you to start and then we can kind of open it up to the rest of us. Like, what is your familiarity with the book, the play, the movie, the soundtrack, Um, you know, growing up now? Yeah, we'd love to hear. Sure. So I was more familiar with the play growing up. Um, I had seen different iterations of it and then the Broadway, you know, version. And I actually realized watching it this past week that I think it was the first time I had seen like the full film all at once. Um, So that was very big and felt momentous for me just like as a Jew and like filmmaker and and human. Um, uh, But it, it somehow felt familiar, even though I hadn't seen it. It feels so embedded somehow into like our, our culture and, just in general. Um, so yeah, that's my experience with it. Fantastic. Can I ask uh, who who was the fiddler that you saw like on Broadway or when you saw plays, who who was it? Um, so I'm pretty sure I saw it with Topol. I think it was, yeah. I mean, I was like young and so right. I don't think I realized, you know, um, but I, I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Yeah. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, I know, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. this I, I like the way that you kind of frame this as this like momentous occasion, like as a Jew, you know, almost a spread right. of passage like this. This was a movie yes. that I similarly hadn't watched in full until preparing for the podcast, knew a right. lot of the songs, didn't know, you know, couldn't place them. But 
you know, one of the reasons this movie has been so requested for our podcast is because it really has an outsized influence on, you know, Jewish culture, but even, you know, the world beyond, I would say, the way people look at Jews. And we're going to get all into that in our discussion. I'm very excited. But, you know, Daniel mentioned at the top, one of the things you're well known for is your web series, Soon By You, which, you know, I think maybe I'm drawing a connection that you've never thought about, but, you know, might play on some of the stereotypes associated with, you know, Jewish shidduch culture and this is a whole movie about matchmaking. And there's some ideas, I think, that people might come to that web series, especially those not as familiar with the Jewish world, Jewish culture, that might be informed by, oh, it's like Fiddler, arranged marriages. That's kind of how that works. So did you see any of that connection? Do you ever think about that? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, watching it just this week, I was really struck by like, Firstly, a lot of the similarities in theme um, to what I explore in my show, because it's about young Jews dating now. And like, just like the parents, the resonant and still so um, valid. And then at the same time, I think with my show, we're trying to explore and go against some of those stereotypes um, that maybe, yeah, people have. So it's like playing with both of those on one hand, um, it is so relevant and it's like about young women, you know, falling in love and figuring stuff out and the complications with like parents and the community and um, all of that. And then at the same time, um, trying to just like pull that apart a little bit and um, explore a little bit deeper and more more nuanced um, versions of that, that same story. Harry, how about yourself? What is sort of your familiarity with the fiddler verse, as we'll call it? Um you know, prior to to watching this film? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, I I hadn't seen the movie in full until, you know, preparation, not actually only for this episode, but, you know, I I assume it'll be on the feed by the time this one comes out, but maybe not. But Daniel and I were actually guests on another podcast called You're Missing Out. They go through films that are on the National Film Registry. And we didn't cover Fiddler on that list because I don't think Fiddler actually is in, in the National Film Registry, but we covered the 1930s Yiddish film Tevya, which is similar to Fiddler in that it's adapted from the same original source text, follows the character. We got into it a lot in that episode. Maybe we'll mention it here. It takes it and takes the story in a very different tone and direction in terms of oh, yeah. its questions about tradition and violence and you know what the world was like for these Jews for him, you know, for those of our guests, our our, um, our listeners who aren't familiar with it. But in advance of that, I really hadn't actually watched the movie. I kind of for years, it was just held over my head as like, okay, I'll, you know, I know this is my Jewish rite of passage. I'll watch this three and a half hour movie at some point and kind of make space for it. But I hadn't really. And I was, you know, definitely, I think a lot of what I saw, I did expect. There were a lot of songs and familiarity. There's the, you know, the wine dance that we'll talk about that. Sure. You know, I, I kind of had, you know, very iconic Jewish imagery. But there were some things tonally and especially in these questions of, you know, tradition and progress and where I think the movie ultimately comes out on them that I was a little bit surprised by. I was surprised, you know, at kind of the standing of this movie and maybe it helped understand some of the the broader appeal of it. But, you know, I won't get into that too much, but it really I think there were some things with this movie that I kind of knew it would be like. And then some things that uh, that really did take me back. But. But yeah, but this all happened in the last couple of weeks when I first watched it. Did you not listen to the soundtrack growing up at home? Like you're sorry to stereotype Harry, but you're like a New York Jew. And like, I figure, you know, it's on Broadway. So like, like, you know, yeah, no, I, I guess, I guess I'm not the best New York Jew. I am <laughs> technically a New Jersey Jew. So okay, that, okay, that probably okay. explains that it. explains it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's probably what it is. 
Yeah. But I, you know, I knew tradition. That was a famous song. Sure, I think sure. there was like, a, there's an Adam Sandler movie. I think it's called like eight crazy nights where Absolutely. he like has this characters doing like the wind dance. I oh, think okay. I even saw it one time in person at a bar mitzvah as like a, like a shtick thing. Wow. So again, pop culture, familiarity, sure. you know, Tevye the name, sure. I never understood what a fiddler on the roof was. And it's nice that this movie kind of explains it. Maybe we can clip it in like within the first couple of seconds yeah but yeah i i think i had a homework to do that i hadn't done and i am you know very proud to be on the other side of it now yeah and what about you daniel did you uh how had you seen it before this podcast was it part of your jewish dna um as i've mentioned before famously i'm you know half ashkenaz half sephardic so i feel like I, I had seen Topol's other film in high school, Salah Shabbati, where he he sort of portrays like a Mizrahi Jew. And so that was like about 10 years prior to this. Um, and he got a claim for that. And, you know, we'll talk about it in the context corner. This particular film I had not seen. Uh, you know, I saw bits of it for the preparation for the other podcast, You're Missing Out. But, you know, I think the more that I kind of like dove into it, there was just like so much stuff that like like you both have said, I'm like, oh, 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 so that's where the song came from. Or so that's what, like, my parents would, like, always be singing random songs throughout the house, always. Um, and a lot of them came from here. Um, but I don't think I'd actually seen, you know, growing up, there was not YouTube, so I was not catching up on clips like they have now. Um, but, you know, not to spoil it too much, but this film rocks. Like, the, the, it's a really good film. Like it's a it's a beautifully made film. The songs are super catchy. Topol is incredible in this in this role. I mean, he like learned English for this movie, which is crazy. Like he listened to the Broadway recordings to get like the tone and the and the wording and things like that. It's yeah. I know I'm like maybe teasing it a little bit too much, but yeah, this film is great, um, and I'm excited to get into it. But Harry. Um, we just still don't know what this film's about. Could you help us out there, Harry? Give us a little IMDb summary. Yes, I definitely can. In pre-revolutionary Russia, a Jewish peasant with traditional values contends with marrying off three of his daughters with modern romantic ideals while growing anti while growing anti-Semitic sentiment threatens his village. What do you think, Leia? Do you think that's like fairly accurate and captures the the I think it does. Yeah, I think it does. I mean, there's so much more to it, but that's a that's a good log line, I would say. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like you know, oftentimes with IMDb summaries, when it's not so clear, like that, it it misses out on a lot of things. But I feel yeah. like because Judaism is so like baked into the DNA of this film, it's kind of hard to escape. Um, right. But yeah, yeah I uh, I think it. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I think it calls attention to some of the darker themes that are bubbling up under the surface that I think you don't always think about when reflecting on this movie and thinking of like the joyous songs and the celebration of Jewish life that we see in this village. Like, you know, I've, I've read some things where everyone's like, yeah, you really forget that at the end, the movie just kind of ends with them being, you know, kicked out of their homes and just like, and it's, I think, more positive than even, you know, the Tevye version where it's like, okay, it's onto the new world in New York and, you know, New York means Broadway. Like there's there's kind of a lineage to the success that, <laughs> right. you know, a lot of these Jews might have or their descendants might have, you know, with this movie. But I think it's still, it's a good reminder of just like, no, this, this has a very, you know, sad overtone to it. Yeah. I mean, you see traces of that throughout the film. Um, 
But they try to end like on a little bit of a sweet note where you have like the fiddler kind of like following Tevia out of the town. Yeah, I mean, but it's a it's a balance for sure. Now that we kind of get a sense of what the film's about, let's jump into the context corner real quick and give a little bit of context around the film and all these uh, these good little bits of trivia to kind of help flesh out the discussion a little bit more. So, like I mentioned, uh, the the film came out in 1971. It's directed by Norman Jewison, not a Jew, uh, despite uh, what a lot of people assumed. Uh, he's a Protest- he's a Protestant uh, Canadian filmmaker who's a Protestant of English descent. Uh, the film was written by Joseph Stein, a Jew, um, and it's based on the Shalom Aleichem story called Tevye and His Daughters. And like you have mentioned, Harry, um, there's a 1939 version about th- this, and there's several other adaptations of the Shalom Aleichem story. Uh, but it's, you know, but this particular one with the songs and everything is sort of based on the uh, play that debuted on Broadway in 1964 and ran for over 3,000 performances which is a lot. And uh, I think it was later dethroned by like Grease the Musical, which uh, I think it ran, you know, it kept that record for about 10 years. But, uh, you know, the film grossed $83.3 million on a $9 million budget. It was critically acclaimed. I believe it won three Oscars and was nominated for eight. So there's a lot in there, you know, and I believe John Williams contributed to to the score as well. So a lot of heavy hitters here in the film a lot of other people tried out for the movie okay so yeah orson wells tried out anthony quinn marlon brando where they were all considered for the role um but they cast topol instead of zero mostel who was uh you know played tevia as well at some point but yeah katie seagal talia shire they were auditioning to play topol's daughters um rob reiner was was auditioning for motel would have been an interesting one so uh, lots of stuff in there. A huge, huge, uh, huge movie as we talked about, but lots of, lots of good context setting. Any thoughts or any tidbits you wanted to add before we jump in? No. Okay. Well, I think we're okay to take a break. Then we'll we'll come right back and we'll kind of dive into the discussion. And Harry, maybe you'll kick it off with a nice, uh, a nice tee off. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We are here with Leah Godfrey to discuss Fiddler on the Roof for our 50-ish episode, Spectacular. Harry, I'm going to throw it over to you. Do you want to kick us off? After the dance number, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let me just get back to my chair and let's do this. Okay. Um, So this being, like you said, Daniel, the 50-ish episode, I really wanted to think about, you know, just the outsized influence and role of this movie. And especially, you know, that was definitely a lens that I had watching this for the first time. I think with the pretext, I think, you know, to get the perspective of someone with none of that, you might have to ask someone who's, you know, at least in their 70s just to get them, you know, back to initially. Because I think this movie has carried so much weight is is really my point. But mm-hmm. I wanted to just get, you know, the, the two of your thoughts on, you know, the familiarity, the recognition that you had, you know, watching this movie, seeing these characters in such a mainstream and really like pop culturally centric movie and how that played both from a perspective of, you know, seeing, seeing yourself, seeing kind of positive, authentic, you know, representation, but also where that kind of dipped over into, uh, you know, stereotype or, you know, what, what this kind of looked like. So what was it like actually seeing that from this kind of modern view and, you know, does 
it's almost like does that you know does that do it for you like like does that are you excited by you know this kind of representation or did it leave certain questions about you know how we're, we're projected to the world and i know i went super broad there take it in any direction you want but you know just wanted to get the the real big ideas flowing i mean this is the 50-ish episode so we got to right. go big for Jews on film this week, but you know, does anyone have any thoughts on any of those questions? Yeah, a lot of thoughts. Um, I mean, I think watching it for me, I kind of went on the, that like roller coaster of having moments of, of feeling like, oh, I feel so um, that valid and seen, and like um, what like such beautiful, poignant moments of like Jewish representation and um the character and I think what struck me the most was how much I felt like emotionally for them um and I loved I loved that aspect of it just like humanizing you know these these characters and, and Jewish characters in general um and then I think there were other moments that definitely felt like uh stereotypes where I was like, hmm, I feel like a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and so it was just such an interesting experience to like have all of that happening, like at the same time and like throughout the three hour journey of the film. Um, but I, I, I do like overall feel really like good and positive about it. I think even maybe moments where it like dipped into things that felt a little uncomfortable or um, it still was like very thought provoking and it still like touched on, I think, real things that I, I wanted to think about. Um, so yeah, it's, it felt like just like a roller coaster in that way to me. Um, yep. but I think like overall, just like, because the acting was so beautiful and like the writing and the story felt so human and like relatable even as somebody watching it now i think that is like the most important thing to me when like watching a jewish film yeah yeah i i, I want to really dive into some of what you were talking about because i i really agree with that read that so much of it is that it's a story that really cares about its characters and wants them to mm -hmm. figure things out and want lets them live their lives and you know some of the more positive moments that i think you're mentioning because i want to get you know into the text of the film a little bit you know, even just in the beginning, watching them run around for Shabbos, which my Shabbos prep these days, you know, my Sabbath prep doesn't look like I think theirs does. It's not the same, you know, the last things, but, <laughs> right. but it is that same scramble and it's that same rush. Sure. And I think in a lot of cases, the movie is not critical of that. It recognizes that's a way of life. I think we can have this conversation now or later, but there definitely is this theme of tradition and progress. I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm so, I'm pulling that out of nowhere to say that that's right. something this movie grapples with. Sure. And I think... It's some of those questions where I think that raises some question of, well, what is this movie saying? You know, just to, you know, you know, show my hand a little bit, like there are a couple of different instances we can name where there is this real tension between progress and tradition, you know, whether it's um, one of uh, Tevye letting one of his children, you know, get married to someone who's not Jewish or whether it's the question of, you know, the dancing and doing co-ed kind of mixed dancing. And, you know, there, there's several instances you could point to. And I think the movie is pushing in the direction of progress. Like I, I think, you know, representing myself, which is not, you know, everyone's Jewish experience, but as someone who is, you know, proudly modern Orthodox, I think I loved seeing a movie tackle a lot of the tension between adapting to the modern world and maintaining tradition. Like it's, it's again, it's in the name, but it was interesting making sense of, 
So what is this movie? You know, this being a movie that I think is being broadcast to the rest of the world, to most of the world that's not Jewish, you know, where are they leaving with that? And I'm not sure if any of us can really answer that question, but I think there are some questions about, okay, like, you know, keep progressing so you're not pushed out of your land. And then to what end? And I don't know if anyone had those same, I don't know if those were the questions I think that sounded like you were asking, but that's really what, you know, what kind of got stirred me a little bit as I was watching the movie. Absolutely. Yeah, no, everything you're saying is very much what I was thinking and feeling and still like thinking about. Um, and even those two examples you brought, like the mixed dancing and the the marriage, um, on one hand, those are like still things that, you know, come up <laughs> as yeah. Orthodox Jews or as Jews. Um, and then at the same time, it's like, wait, how does people who are not from this world view that? And how are you portraying that? And um, it's such a like tricky balance because like for me personally, as a writer and, and filmmaker, I want to explore all those things and like explore the tension. And then how do you do that in a way where, or do you want to do it in a way, the intention to do it in a way where it's positive? Um, and are you, how much are you thinking of like, what are people going to think about us? Um, yeah. And that, those are, yeah, definitely thoughts that came up for me watching this. And then just in general, like what, with my work on like similar things. Yeah. yeah. I think the film does a very good job of like taking each of the daughters, you know, you have Hodel uh, and, you know, Hodel, Zeitel and uh, Chava. And so each one is kind of marrying or trying to marry a different person. But I think what the film does really nicely is that like there are connections to Judaism, but they also taking a step back, there's other reasons why they're not suitable, you know, husbands, you know, you know, in, in the case of Chava and Fiedka, like he's not Jewish, fine, but he's also the enemy, right? So like, you're, husband. you're like, you know, you're connecting yourself to the enemy, someone who's trying to like take you out of your house and exile you and things like that. With Saitel, she has, you know, she's courting two people. One is Motel, the hardworking tailor, and the other one is Laser Wolf, the sort of very wealthy, but very old butcher. So there's this like, you know, there's the, there's an age thing maybe. And then with Hodel and Perchik, uh, Perchik is this like very suave teacher activist, but he's also kind of like a, I don't know, I guess in this days and age, you know, he'd be like very politically active. And, and so there's that piece to it. And I, th I don't know, was Hodel uh, set up with someone else or it's just Perchik or nobody else. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think they're able to sort of divorce the Jewishness from it and find other reasons why they're not suitable. Um, but also having the Jewishness as in like an extra layer on it. So it kind of makes it relatable to audiences who are not Jewish and can kind of connect with it in other ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I, think, I guess I was watching it with such a like Jewish lens. Sure. And, and you know, I mean, that, but that's a really good point that like even without that, there are other ele elements that make it so complicated. Um, yeah. but I love, I love that they explored that because it's like relatable on different levels to different people. Yeah. I mean, back to your original no. question. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Good. No, you, you take it. You take it. Okay. I was just going to say like on that note, like you were talking initially about like depictions of Judaism and whether or not they like veered on like stereotypes or whatever, you know, Topol, we, we love the guy. He's, he's a good, you know, he's a very funny guy. He yells a little bit, but like. He's relatable in that he like is hardworking as well. He wants to be wealthier, you know, uh, 
you know, for the stereotypical piece, you know, he's got like a nagging wife and like that's kind of a trope. He, he's not super like progressive in in the way that he's like his attitude towards women. Right. Granted, yep. it's not like the, the 2000s or 2023, whatever. I mean, it's like the old country. So he, he's got backwards ways, but he also has backward ways for like that time period, too. And the film does a pretty good job of pointing that out. But like, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that because that's another reminder that we're also applying this 2023 lens, not yeah. just on a story that took place 150 sure. years ago, but mm-hmm. on a movie that came out, you know, 50 years ago. It came out in right. 1971. Yeah. They saw a play that was out for years before then. <laughs> sure. Like, even the beginning, and that's definitely I had to catch my own sensibilities, like because they, you know, that very first song, traditions. You know, they're talking yeah. about. You must know the way to make a proper home, a quiet home, a coach of home. You must raise a family and run the home, so pop us free to read the holy book. The mama, the mama, tradition. And I think part <laughs> right. of me is watching this like, oh, so there's like a non, you know, a non-affiliated, a, a, an audience who's not familiar with Jewishness and is like, mm-hmm. this is kind of reinforcing some of their, you know, gender role criticisms that might exist. And I, and I think being a Jewish person, I think we are proud of, you know, a lot of some of the gender distinctions that do exist. But at the same time, I think I'm trying to balance, am I, you know, blaming this movie for like pushing, like you know, wh- where like things have changed in that sensibility. Where are you that going maybe, with this? <laughs> yeah, no, like it's just, and by watching this movie, you know, critically in a way that I was like, oh, is it playing up the gender roles so dramatically to show how wrong he is to make right, the point right. said on it? Like, and I think if this movie came out in 2023 to, you know, a more modern audience, I think that is the reaction they would have to a lot of the earlier, like a lot of those tensions between, you know, Tevya and his daughters and about who they can marry. I think a more modern audience might be watching that like oh that's ridiculous why is he telling her who she has to marry but i think that there's a lot of respect for you know and then there can be within judaism for even arranged marriage and i know that even still exists what's what's that uh netflix show that that is now with jewish matchmaker yeah and they did the indian matchmaker that no that's the one i was thinking of where like you know maybe i'm not giving credit to modern audiences ability to also value some of the traditions i think i'm i'm watching this very guardedly like Oh God, what are they thinking? And you know, we'll, <laughs> right. we'll, this is a, this is an opportunity to think about this later, Leah. But we have a, a category on our movie like, "Is this good for the Jews?" Where we do ask these questions of, you know, how are other people watching this? And I think because of that, I'm very tense because, like, I'll just put it out there: these questions of tradition versus modern life. I mean, these are like the central threats and tensions that exist, you know, from the outside world to to Judaism and to any religion. But you know, even within the Jewish world, like these. This movie was so resonant and is evoking conversations that, like you said, even about uh, your web series, that like it's the same questions that are still being asked. You know, we are still, you know, fighting this, this you know, this battle between you know where where are the lines in modern society versus you know the traditions that I think are important. I don't think that's a that's a crazy take to say, and I think the movie recognizes that traditions are important. They keep you as a people. They keep you together. They keep people bound, even while. You know, allowing some modern sensibilities in to make life better for everyone. So, you know, just to be clear, like this movie is dealing with these questions from this 1971 perspective, but you know, they they still exist today. I have my answer. Yeah, I, that was like a, a huge thing that was very striking for me watching it. I wasn't expecting it to feel so relevant, and 
um, timeless in a way, like you're you're saying that we're really grappling with all of these questions right now, um, still. And I feel like I need to really like think about that and process that. And like, what does that mean? Are we getting anywhere? You know, what sort of progress right. are we making? What do we want to make? But it brought up these like really huge questions just about, yeah, th- that um, sort of um, uh, the tension between the tradition and, and you know, the world and like how you bring them together. And um, it, it feels like very timeless in that way. In a way, I guess I wasn't expecting um it to be so so timeless the questions that it brought up um yeah. so relatable to my actual life you know yeah no just, just to the comment you made about you know you're still working it out i think that's you know what we do on this podcast is trying to figure out and i think i'll just call it out more so than in any other episode i i hear my, my own answers starting in one place and then going on rants in other <laughs> directions and this is this is you know this is heavy this is it like and i think I guess I didn't even know I was taking this point here, but it just validates why this movie has, you know, stood the test of time and why it is that Jewish movie. You know, it's not just the iconography. It's not just the window into, you know, this older Ashkenaz community and like seeing what Jewish life looked like, which is incredibly valuable, but it's because at the same time, it's asking these thematic questions that, you know, I've, I've seen, I think when the, when I was originally researching the movie, I watched videos of like, you know, Orthodox Jews reacting to, you know, this movie and what they see here and mo- more modern Jews. And just, it raises these questions that I think would go on to define the hundred years after this movie is set and, you know, still define how a lot of us different Jews all see each other. So, um, what, yeah, whatever. What do you think about it? I'm so curious now. <laughs> I think they like saw the dancing and they're like, oh yeah, we love dancing. That's how we dance. That's, that's <laughs> something we do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's your takeaway. Come on. <laughs> Jews do better. Come on. That is accurate. Yeah. No, we, we did. do you know do what? that. A, we can celebrate our culture. Like, I don't mean to dismiss that part of the movie. It is great that, you know, seeing some of the food, the culture, the Shabbos, right. like, I did love that. We're going to just jump back for a second. I know you were talking about like the 2023 lens and things like that. Um, I have to announce whether or not this is good or bad news you can discuss. But uh, in May 2020, MGM uh, announced that they're going to be new. To uh, they're going to be remaking the movie Fiddler on the Roof uh, wow. with folks who worked on Hamilton, Grease Live, and Dear Evan Hansen, things like that. So I don't know. I wonder. I know. Is it going to just be like a film version of the revival that ran on Broadway, like the Yiddish revival, or do you think it's going to be a full like you know? It says remake. So I I I I don't know that we need it personally, but I mean, oh, what? Yeah, I know, right? All right, Padre. Fifth episode. <laughs> exactly. in our calendar right now <laughs> for the hundredth-ish episode. We're coming back to do Fiddler. Yeah, wow. I hope you join us in fifty episodes to to review the remake. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Done, done. <laughs> you know, I think like wow. we talk about this and we have before that like specificity is actually like generality and like so the more specific you get on your culture, whether it's like Jewish culture or Black culture or Asian culture or Indian culture or Persian culture, like I'm seeing uh, we we have been seeing more movies that are like super specific but also so general and like i think this is a great example of that even though it was from 1971 um that there are these kind of like easter eggs like you were saying harry oh you know we do do that dance you know we do wear that kind of stuff there's some things that are like well do we actually say 
Do we sing, may God protect you, da, 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 like Friday night? May the Lord protect and defend you. May he always shield you from shame. May you come to be in his shining name. There's stuff like, I'm like, okay, what is that? I... For that specific example, I think that's the the priestly blessing. They they say I I kind of like that's you know the Yivarecha Shem Rishbarecha you know that one. So that's what they were singing. I had to kind of look it up because I was like, what is this exactly? But there are other things that that did kind of ring true, and and uh, it was really nice to sort of see that stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know how like specifics i don't know if this is delving into like ratings category but like in, in terms of the specifics of it like were there anything were there any scenes or like easter eggs that kind of that worked for you or didn't quite work for you um something that did jump out at me <laughs> maybe this is just because i'm i'm leia but when her chick was talking about um the daughters and oh. <laughs> laura and said something about the ugly daughter leia and i was like wait what <laughs> Uh, I never learned it like that (laughs) and that made me feel like I want to see if there's like actually a source or like where did that come from um but that was something that really like stood out to me everything most things felt like um real and and uh made sense and then and accurate and then that moment was something I just had never heard before and I was curious about it yeah yeah yeah, and it's interesting that you're jumping onto one of like Tevya's aside. I remember we spoke about this when we were talking about you know that movie Tevya and the original text. But you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel. But I think we heard from uh, our friends that you're missing out that in the original book, that's like you know the defining characteristic of Tevya is that he's always kind of mumbling these asides or referencing, saying, "Oh, it's like you know this character and this." Like the and good book says, yeah. Like the good book says, and I appreciated that. And, you know, we are jumping into some of our categories because this might be my most serious scene, but and maybe yeah. I'll just say this again. But like, I appreciated that as just the constant referential nature of like Jewishness right. and uh-huh. pulling up the old text. But also as the, like those, I think, were moments because they were just small asides where they were referencing something without catching up their full audience to speed and just saying, like, if you know, you know, like Jewishness. And I sure. think, you know, this movie as a whole, I did leave it a little bit feeling like this is the broadened version of we're going to explain to you what prayers we're doing and we're mm-hmm. going to put things in English and we're going sure. to like right. lay it out there. This is what Jewishness looked like in a way that I wasn't sure if this movie fit into our category that Daniel and I, you know, we sometimes mentioned on the podcast called, you know, by Jews for Jews, which is when it's like, we are not going to bother explaining, you know, what, what this is, what's going on. We're just going to put it all out there. And I think like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like this movie said, these questions of, you know, intermarriage or even, you know, marrying, you know, the wrong people within this culture, this community, this faith, like that, those, those are questions that, you know, could be broadened out to a wider audience. And I think that, you know, the world has received very, very well to the point that it's, you know, continually being revived and rebooted and, you know, whatever it is. So like, I don't think that's a bad thing that this movie does that, but I think compared to some of our other movies, this one is like, it, it almost knows that it's going to be this introduction to Jewish history to a lot of audiences, as opposed to some of our other movies, like even, you know, Tevya, the other version of this, where it's just like, we have this Jewish audience in mind that we don't have to explain the context of, you know, the, uh, what are they called? The, you know, the, the 
the people that are kicking them out. The, the Cossacks? Uh, the Cossacks, right. Like, this is a movie that takes the time to explain who they are, what's going on, you know, give you that context because, you know, it's it's broadening that story. And that's why it's three hours. And that's also why it's, you know, a Broadway classic. So it's just yeah. interesting. <laughs> I did love the guy who was like, we don't eat like kings, but we don't starve either. As the good book says, when a poor man eats a chicken, one of them is sick. <laughs> Where does the book say that? All right, all right. It doesn't exactly say that, but someplace it has something about a chicken. Good supper. Good supper. Good supper. <laughs> like, I love the comedy Correct. is also so- something that I just like, you know, like I said up top, like this movie is great and like, what it does so nicely is that it's got a lot in it. You know, it's got the depictions of Judaism, which are unlike something we had seen prior. You know, we have great cinematography, great music, but like the humor also in Topol's performance is like so solid. And like a lot of the characters have like just great lines, you know, Perchik when he's, um, when he's pursuing Hodel, she's got like wit. What does he say? Something he says something like, "You got wit and it's like essentially he's like you're sassy. Like I like you, you know. I'm into <laughs> it." Um, but I wanted to ask you a question, Leia, and kind of you know clumsily tie in your web series if possible. Like in terms of you know depicting Jewish experiences and and like we're talking about like did they do it right in Fiddler? Did they you know did they get blowback from the the more orthodox community and stuff like that? How do you sort of balance depicting like an authentic Jewish experience versus just like telling your Jewish story? And did you get any like sort of feedback from people who are like, uh, people don't do this or they don't they do this or you know? Yeah, um, we do get a lot of feedback. I think Jews really like to comment and correct, and we get a lot of that in in a lot of different ways. Um, my approach has always sort of been to mine from my own life and and my co-writer's life, like, um, and we write from like an authentic place based on our experiences and what we see around us and just as like modern Orthodox Jews. Um, but we certainly get, so there's one category of response we get, which is like, these characters are too religious or they're not religious enough. And so there's people on both sides who are sort of like, this isn't accurate for like, uh, of a, uh, it's not an accurate portrayal of modern, modern Orthodox Jews. It needs to be more like this or more like this. But I think that just speaks to um, the fact that it's like not a monolith, you know, and, and even within the umbrella of like modern Orthodoxy and certainly like Orthodoxy as a whole, there are so many ways to observe um, and it could look differently. So I think I just try to focus on like you said before being specific in the world that i'm exploring and that just comes from like living in it and and using my own life um we do get pushback from some people in orthodox communities when we sort of explore more progressive um storylines things like that i don't know they're not that progressive to me but like they right. to some other people mm-hmm. they they seem progressive um or not appropriate or whatever and so again that just like really speaks to the reality of what we're grappling with as jews and as observant jews in this world trying to figure out um how to balance you know tradition and um being modern people in this world so like the show explores that and then the reaction to the show also speaks to that yeah 
which is like very interesting to sort of witness and be a part of. Um, but one funny thing is like we also get lots of people correcting, uh, oh, you, like this person didn't say a blessing before they oh. ate a food or like noticing like the Gosh. little little moments of um, observance on like halatha and things that they feel are not correct. So that's that's just like funny to me. Um, Thank but, God yeah. we have the internet, huh? <laughs> I know. Where would we be without these internet sleuths who could like, you know, nowhere? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, it's so interesting hearing that feedback and that understandable and expected. You know, that's kind of because I think that's how we watch things. And I think when you, you know, paint a movie like Fiddler in such a broad brush, like that's why everyone can kind of come in and say, okay, I get your like. Ex- Exploring this tension. And this movie doesn't answer all the questions of tradition versus progressivism. Like, it, I think it broadly does have a couple moments where Tevia, you know, is kind of moved to open his mind a little bit. But I think it just invites that conversation, which I know we said this already, but like is is obviously still being had. Like, there are perspectives to this movie. We've been talking about, you know, this Jewish versus not Jewish, but even within this questions of Jewishness, like. We spoke about, you know, the the co-ed, you know, the sort of mixed dancing, which, Mm -hmm. you know, even across the spectrum of my own life in modern orthodoxy, I've seen very different views on, you know, what dancing looks like. I've been to weddings that have, you know, huge kind of barriers between, you know, mechitzas between the men's and women's section of the dancing. I've been to weddings that have, you know, that don't have anything in between and kind of encourage (gasps) a little bit of intimacy. I don't mean to out myself. Yeah. I might have to put my name anonymously on this uh, episode or we'll we'll just cut this out. But it's just like, but it's, it's interesting, you know, and I think your series seems to be a real, you know, a, like just a, a sounding board for just a lot of those different, you know, nuances in in tradition. I mean, this is, I love this this podcast, Jews on Film, like we're talking about how this is, you know, the, this movie is like the, you know, famous representation of, you know, Jewish experience. It's one of them for sure, you know, and it's one of them that ultimately I think, you know, preceded a lot of the different ones from today. So I think it has that kind of common ancestral goal, but you know, Daniel, like this is this is an Ashkenaz world. You know, this isn't you know reflective of you know the Spartak or other Jewish experiences sure. in, in a way that you know there might be other movies that kind of depict that more. So, you know, this movie I think is right in its approach of I'm gonna it's gonna go broad and it's gonna ask these big questions, but and so that we can you know like a great movie take those and apply them elsewhere. Like mm-hmm. I think that that was the point you were making earlier, Daniel, about yeah. you know the more specific a movie, the more it can be broadly applied, and I think mm-hmm. we are appropriately doing that, but. This movie is not on its own going to answer, you know, all those questions for what should the next, you know, 150 years of Jewish life look like. Right. I mean, everyone can kind of relate to this idea of like, you know, coveting your neighbor's fancy house or fancy car or like money and like disapproving of who your kids are like friends with or planning to marry or whatever or like, you know, I think there's a lot of relatable, like I said before, like there's a lot of relatable things that, you know, sort of go far beyond the the Jewish lens. Um, but I would say that this is like, you know, I, I think about this often of like the the Mount Jewish Rushmore, the Jewish Mount Rushmore. I don't know what I would call it. I'm still working, maybe Mount Yidmore or something like that. I don't know, whatever. But I feel like on the side of like positive Jewish films, like this is up there. Like, you know, we definitely have like a whole separate mountain for like maybe like Holocaust movies. I feel like they're maybe like in a different genre, but like for like happy Jewish films, I think this is definitely one of the the sort of defining films on there um, for like for good reason. Let's take another quick break and uh, we're going to come back and Harry's going to give us some nice 
categories to frame our discussion. And then we'll conclude with like a, a rating section. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Jews on Film. We are here with Leah Godfrey discussing Fiddler on the Roof for our 50-ish episode spectacular. Harry, I'm going to throw it to you for some categories. Perfect. So we will start as we always do, asking the first question is, what is the most Jewish scene in the film? And uh, I'm happy to start us off with this one. I already said I was going to reference this scene. You, you could... You could take every, this is a three hour movie. You could probably take two and a half hours worth of scenes and get your answer for this. Yeah, But okay. I, I did like the, uh, the aside where he's kind of quoting the text just because that is something familiarly Jewish, the way we uh -huh. take these old texts and, you know, work them in as metaphors and references. And I mean, it's literally what Daniel and I do every episode on this, when we do our stretch of the pod, like it's almost like, uh, Tevye invented the stretch where he's, you know, just pulling these like, oh, you're like this character and this thing. But, uh, it's also even the way that. Uh, this might not be a Jewish thing, but a lot of my friends just pull pop culture references into every conversation. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take that as my, you know, most Jewish scene, so to speak. So like the sort of, as the good book says. As the good book says, if you spit in the air, it lands in your face. <laughs> Nonsense. Any, all of those sort of combined? Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good way to put it. As the good book says, you know, okay. all of those scenes kind of in one are my most Jewish, even though there, there might be better answers. I'm sure people will have their thoughts in response to this episode but maybe the two of you can cover some of those so yeah. uh what about you guys what do you think are the most jewish scenes in this movie well i'm gonna let leah go first but i did want to say oh, yeah. having tevia on the podcast would be incredible like topol as tevia on our podcast you know unfortunately topol passed away uh fairly recently i think in the last year yeah. um but uh you know one can hope maybe for our uh hundredth episode AI, we can figure something out. But uh, yeah. Leia, what about you? Are there any particular, is there like a set of scenes or a scene for you that uh, stuck out as like the most Jewish scene of the film? Oh my gosh. It's so hard to choose. Um, the whole movie feels like the most Jewish scene. So yeah. I don't know why, but what's sticking out to me is the wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, and like then particularly i mean the whole wedding because it's just like a roller coaster of so many things happening and that feels very jewish um like the joy and the tension and the fighting um and but the moment where um perchik is is wanting to dance uh have mixed dancing and they all like rush to the rabbi and, and ask him yeah. <laughs> he starts to say well you know it's not exactly forbidden and then they take that answer like okay you know it's a sin it's no sin ask the rabbi go on ask him dancing well it's not exactly forbidden well, there you see, it's not forbidden. And it's no sin. Um, good to go. And I thought the movie, that that um, that moment was so, uh, it just spoke to what felt like to me, just like quintessential Jewish energy. Um, and I loved, I loved that. It felt, felt very Jewish on a lot of things. The Jews that's, do love a loophole for sure. Oh, that's, that's an amazing exactly. answer. And that <laughs> is, you know, that, that kind of, that concept of, you know, looking for someone, you know, finding the first rabbi that'll give you permission to do something and then just yeah. jumping in on that yeah. is, yeah. Uh, is 
shockingly familiar. That yeah, right. it's very, it, and it's very funny, but it also is like really how we engage with our text, you know, mm-hmm. um, is like we fight with it and we figure out ways to um, do what we want to do in a way that feels kosher to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really funny moment to me, but also really felt just really real in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I right think like stuff. everyone flocking to the rabbi, it's like, well, we don't have our own opinions. Let's go talk to yeah. someone who's clearly more wise than us. And right. the moment right. they say it's good, let's let's get out of there before the they can sort of, of finish their sentence. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 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 Um, Daniel, do you have uh, do you have anything to add to that list? Most Jewish yeah, movie? I think so. There's a scene. I think it's maybe just like a passing scene, but the there's a scene where they're in the yeshiva and they're kind of studying Talmud together. And there's just like these arguments going on. And I felt like that just the way that they're yelling at each other and like getting crabby and snappy about certain things that felt very Jewish. Obviously, you know, like you were saying, like it's such a Jewish movie to like pick one specific scene. The whole like film exudes Jewishness. So it's kind of hard to pick. But I think that specific one, the way that they interacted with each other. And we could probably put a clip in here. But I think that for me was one of the more Jewish scenes. Instead of saying most, I'll just say one of the more Jewish scenes, so as to yeah. not exclude any of my other favorite scenes. You know, I like think, yeah, picking I, from I, one of my five daughters. I can't, you I know. Right, so. Exactly. I think this might be uh, one of the only movies where we could just say the whole movie is the most Jewish yeah. scene yeah. and like you know not have it be questioned. But I, those are three great answers. Well, two great answers. I don't want to. I think know. no. Here, yours was great. That. Yours is great. Three, you, three, okay, three, if you insist. Okay, I guess it's three. Then <laughs> perfect. Um, that brings us to the second category, which I'm kind of excited about with this movie. And that is the question of, do you have any Jewish stretches of the pod? So anything that you can read more Jewishness into this already Jew- super Jewish movie, or just even not even Jewishness, but just reading in, you know, a, a stretch, a theme, a, you know, an underlying idea that, you know, like we, like we often say, may not have been intended by the filmmakers, but also could be and, you know, can be pulled out from the text of the film. Uh, Harry, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I, I I do have one teed up. So sure. Um, this is going to that wedding scene, which is an incredible scene, and the, what I've mentioned a couple of times, which is the you know the kind of specific wine dance where you know this this group of men they put bottles of wine on their heads and then they do this kind of elaborate dance, getting on their knees, getting up, shuffling, and you know the the point is that the wine can't fall off. Uh, you know that they're they're not letting the wine you know spill up onto the floor. And it's this uh, very cool scene that I'm sure was rooted in, you know, I, I don't think I could be wrong on this, that it was invented for this movie. I assume that there was some tradition of that being yeah, a wedding I, dance. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, e- even nowadays we have, you know, at, at a lot of Jewish weddings, this concept of Ketzad, where people do these, you know, funny little dances and performances before the, the bride and groom. So I'm sure that there's some some stuff there. But my stretches, this kind of was evocative of how I remembered the dream that Joseph inter- that Yosef interprets of the Sar Hamashkim, of he has these two dreams while he's in prison. So we call this, you know, biblical story where, you know, he interprets these two dreams. So one character is this baker, one is this, uh, you know, wine bearer, a cup bearer that are both in, in jail and they kind of give over these dreams. So I was looking it up while I was preparing for this question and I realized I was kind of conflating both of their dreams. Okay. Because there's the wine dream where there's, you know, he, he kind of in his dream, he like squeezes grapes into a cup, makes wine. And then there's the bread maker's dream where he puts, you know, a, a, the thing of bread on his head and it's like oh. picked up by the birds. So okay. it's kind of a coupling of the, these dreams. And I'm actually going to run with that because I Go think joining these two dreams together, 
basically marks this moment in the movie as this like we're on the precipice of what could be the baker's fate which is like doom and getting destroyed or the wine bearer's fate which is like this return to grace and it's this like moment of tension in the movie where you know we're celebrating this wedding but we feel the Cossack presence coming on. I mean, even at that wedding, the Cossacks end up storming it. So it's sure. like you're kind of in between and it just marks this, it literalizes, or it doesn't even literalize it because it's such a deep read, but it basically literalizes this signature tension of the movie of, you know, where are we going to come out from this balance between, you know, modern and Jewishness? Are we going to be, right. you know, are we going to be, you know, killed by the king or, you know, elevated back to our status of glory? And I think there there could be some illusions happening in that scene. Not sure. That's why it's stretched, but yeah, yeah. Definitely what I thought of. Nice. Leia, do you have any stretchy uh wow. thoughts, I'm, I'm ideas? Just processing that. And I was, yeah, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> it, it, it always it. is. It always is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't yet. Let me let me think for a minute. Sure, yeah, no problem. Please. I think, think um, get us. yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll you know, I have I have so many thoughts about the movie and like I loved it and like you know, this is not necessarily a stretch, but it would have like a wish list. That's something I would have loved to see. I would have loved for like a crossover. You know how like these days with like cinematic universes, you know, like this character from Marvel movie shows up in this show. Like I would have loved like the Fiddler verse and the Yentl verse to like crossover. So maybe like Yentl shows up in the Yeshiva or maybe Yentl's kind of like hanging out in the market. That's just like a, you know. Oh, you know, for maybe for the remake or something like that, we could get oh, maybe, Barbara back maybe in, in America. They're both they're both heading over to the. Oh, new that's world. true. There's, that's true. Maybe they're on the boat together, and then they bump into Fanny in. Bryce, who's also on the boat from mm. Funny Girl. Well, with, so then, with the until that'll that. be a little bit. Yeah. Well, they've that's, done double maybe, casting, right? With like American Pickle and stuff like that. So you maybe know. maybe that's the sequel that uh that MGM said is working on. We we need to confirm that with someone from MGM, but it's probably this crossover Yentl. I, th I think you're right about that. Yeah, that's not a stretch. That's mostly just uh, something that I was thinking about as I was watching the movie because I, I, I very quickly checked. I was like, are they the same author? But no, the, the Fiddler was written by Shalom Aleichem and Yentl is based on a short story by Isaac Becever Singer. So unfortunately, it's like DC and Marvel. It's unlikely we'll see a crossover, but you never know. You never know. Um, my stretch of the pod is um, regarding our good friend, the titular F Fiddler on the Roof himself. Who is he? What's his deal? I'd like to posit this theory that, much like Tyler Durden, he's this imaginary presence in Topol's head who doesn't really exist, but is mostly just like his inner monologue, his inner sort of like score, because he doesn't really seem to interact with anyone besides Topol. And he doesn't really like say anything to him. He mostly just like scores his life. You know, he's sitting on the roof. And, uh, you know, as we talked about before, what does the fiddler on the roof re uh, represent? He's he the fiddler on the roof is trying to scratch out a simple tune without breaking his neck. So it's it's mostly just someone who's trying to do something and not hurt himself and not get you know. So that you know that is like a metaphor for for his life, uh, for Tevya's life, and and for a lot of the people just trying to get by without dying, which is you know a little grim. But I, I'd like to suggest that perhaps. Since he doesn't really interact with anyone, I'm sure if we did that sort of flashback a la Fight Club at the end, we'd see that the Fiddler was never there and it was all in Tevya's brain. But that's sort of my stretch. Uh, you feel like that has any legs or? I, I mean, I think it's all the, like, I think that is the movie. I think that that is the Fiddler. It's this like representation of the way, I mean, he says it in the beginning, maybe we'll pull the quote in that you just mentioned, sure. the, you know, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune. But, you know, I think, I think the stretch part is saying that 
you know, this specific fiddler is, you know, Topol's like double. And I think that there might be something to that, but I think that's right in there. I think. Okay. You know. <laughs> I like that. Uh, okay. I think I have something. Ooh. Okay. Um, no, I'm going to work it out as, as yeah. we go. Um, well, there's this small moment that stood out to me. Um, definitely because of, of my series seen by you. And it was the moment where the women tell Kaba, uh, soon it will be you. And nice. um, that definitely made me go, whoa, like, okay, we've been doing this for like a while. Um, and I am going to read into that and say that, you know, from Tevia's perspective and their world's perspective, Kaba um, marrying Fiedka was like the worst thing ever. And mm -hmm. that small moment of soon it will be you. And also her just seeing, there was this moment where she sees that Saito is going to be married to the future. And like, you can see Kava's face and both of those things and like the combined pressure, um, on women, like just to see themselves as, um, their sole purpose is marriage. And then she has this like terrible fate um, of marrying someone outside the faith. And um, for them, that's like the worst thing ever. And so for me, looking at that and exploring those themes, I'm going to like draw that connection of like the pressure leading to things um, and to things that they don't want or we don't want. Um, and drawing out that that theme of like what is the message that we are telling women and jewish women you know specifically of what their value is and um, how do we sort of separate the traditional maybe gender roles that are kind of built into our faith um and also see them as like humans that have more worth than just marriage yeah yeah wow, I, that was I mean, great Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that was just like more than a stretch. I think that's just a beautiful read of the film. And I think that's definitely, you know, like we, we sometimes ask, you know, who is like the heart of this story? And I think Tevya is in some ways the default answer. He's our narrator more so than the sure. fiddler. But, but I think you're, you know, watching, you, if you watch this movie, paying attention to the daughters and kind of watching, you know, how one by one each of them approaches, you know, a lot of these pressures differently, I think they are probably... Like and intentionally, I don't think there's a stretch, but like the manifestation of these questions of tradition, like it's not going to impact Tevya. You know, his life will go on. Mm -hmm. Like he is comfortable. He's you know, in some ways, you know, old enough that he's not going to see all of these you know movements. But even so, it doesn't matter because all of these questions that he has to get behind are decisions towards pushing the boundaries that were made by his daughters that he just kind of right. has to agree to. Yep. He's it rarely the one actually you know, pushing the faith forward yeah. and he's learning how to like follow others lead when, you know, traditionally yeah. he was the one who's supposed to take the lead. So yeah. Yeah. that's a beautiful way to, you know, wrap yeah. up the film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like similar to like, we talked about the wedding scene earlier and like, there's a, I think there's like a visual, uh, not illusion, but like a analogy, like when they're in the bar and they're celebrating laser wolf's engagement to his daughter, um, uh, title and like the the russians kind of come in and they sort of do their thing and i thought it was very like visually similar to like when they're separating the dance and like it's almost you know someone offers their hand to tevia and then he kind of does this with his beard and then he like takes the person's hand but it's like fate is asking tevia all right here is an opportunity to either say no and like 
push that aside and say, no, I'm going to stick to my tradition or here's an opportunity to kind of grow and to evolve and to change a little bit. And so like what you're saying, Harry, it's like fate is knocking and saying, Tevia, here are some things, but it's never from Tevia. Tevia is not like enacting that change other than like talking to God and singing songs about being rich. Like the change comes <laughs> to him, whether it's like laser wolf wanting to talk to him or the Russians wanting to talk like, Motul always trying to find time to talk to Tevya and like never. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but I, I, mean, I, I love that read Leia. Just like, I, I do agree also with you, Harry, that like the, the, the daughters are the heart of the film and they all kind of approach, uh, Tevya with their proposals, you know, by the way, I'm going to, we've already committed to each other since right. last year, or I've, I've secretly gone and got married. This happened, FYI, you know, all these different yeah. things. It's yeah. it's the decision is made and you can either get left behind or, you know, get on board. And right. I think that in some ways is another side of this tension we've been talking about between tradition and, you know, progression that it's like as no, much as it's a decision in some ways, it's really how do you keep up and how do you like we, our hand is forced, you know, as Jews, mm -hmm. we have to bring our tradition forward. We have to keep things current and we have to do so in a way that doesn't alienate you know, our, our daughters, our children, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, this movie is, is asking and answering that question in a lot of different ways. I'm thinking about Tevya and realizing like he really wasn't a very active protagonist at all. Like things just kept happening to him and he had to respond. Um, but I love that read of how that's really reflective of us, like as Jews that we have to adapt and we're sort of forced to as, as the world kind of comes at us. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And like, despite the movie being as old as it is, like some things are very much like old country problems and whatever, but a lot of like what we're saying today is still very resonant um, for the for the general populace, but especially for the Jewish people. Um, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So, um, you know, oof. I think heavy, heavy yeah. for our 50-ish. Yeah, huh? I was, I was, this is the fitting for the 50-ish though. I think this is, you know, how we can look at every movie, but sure. we probably could end the podcast here, but unfortunately, no, or no, fortunately, no, no, no. we've no, got no. more categories, so we're going to bring back the conversation, <laughs> and, uh, and let's close out with our final question before the rankings, which is, is this movie good for the Jews? And, you know, if, if you're wondering, Leo or our audience, you know, how to approach that question, any way you want that could be you know good as representation good for a jewish audience good for a not jewish audience whatever you want to look at but you know is it good for the jews hmm um i'm gonna say yes i know that's a hot take <laughs> yeah. but i just feel like culturally you know in the lexicon of like musicals it's well known well regarded uh, in its depictions of Judaism, it's fairly accurate. Obviously, there are some things that are flubbed and changed for cinematic effect and to tell a good story. I mean, it's based on a Jewish story. Um, ultimately, we come out looking as like complex, somewhat nuanced and different. You know, even within this, you know, shtetl family, there's all the different people in the family have vastly like different personalities. So it's not just like, oh, they're kind of like oafish like dads who are, don't get it, but like you also have the mom and the sisters and each sister is kind of very different. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is good for the Jews. Leah, what about yourself? 
Um, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I think overall, it definitely does feel good for the Jews. I think what I'm thinking about is just like like Tevia as this sort of lovable but flawed character that um, even when we don't like agree with him, he's still so emotionally relatable. Um, and that to me is always like a test of of any film depicting Jews. Like, can I, as any human, relate to this person on an emotional level? Um, and I think the film does that in with all of the characters in really beautiful ways. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Harry, how about yourself? You feel like Fiddler on the Roof is good for the Jews? I'm, I'm going to echo what, what you just said, Leia, about, you know, these characters. Like, this isn't tokenizing the Jewish characters, and mostly mm-hmm. because it's also entirely their story, right? It's not like it's just one Jewish character, but but it, it's treating them with respect. And I think where I do brush up against, you know, the way that I envision some more progressive people might see some of these more traditional things and say, you know, and not have that nuance to say, well, this is, you know, attention and this thing evolves. I think if anyone is going to come at that, you know, overly critical, then maybe they're not as open-minded as, you know, Tevya learns to be. And maybe that's, you know, me being unfair to to that audience. So I think there's a beautiful story. I think the more that we've broken it down, the more we've seen the way that it gently asks these questions and empowers a lot of these other characters to, you know, make more difficult decisions while maintaining their tradition. And I think just, you know, writ large, like this movie is incredibly successful. We've said this already, but it's getting remade or rebooted or whatever it is. It's, I think, one of the most, you know, successful long running Broadway shows of all time. Like, it is really cool that there is something that is so, so Jewish and so, you know, you know, with so many like deep cuts and overviews of what Jewish life actually looked like. And, you know, as far as I know, and even a lot of modern analogs to what it looks like now. It's just cool that this is so well known pop culturally and that, you know, people have performed school plays in this of, of this play and, you know, seen this on Broadway without, you know, knowing Jews or knowing so much about the Jewish experience. So I love that this exists. This is great for the Jews. You know, go Fiddler. Like you joke, Daniel, not a hot take, but I'm happy right. we all got behind it. But um, let's get to the ratings. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Let's do this it. is the uh, the long awaited final section. We're going to rate this film on a scale of one to five Jewish stars, taking into consideration the cast and crew, the content of the movie, the themes, and anything else that might contribute to this question. But on a scale of one to five Jewish stars, how Jewish would you say this movie is Fiddler on the Roof? And you have to answer your uh, rating in, st- in like a music, in a song, because in honor, it. you have to sing it. Um, <laughs> and we'll have the orchestra, we'll put that in kind of like afterwards. I wasn't told about that. Oh. You didn't get the memo? Oh, no. You didn't get the so, memo. so with no warning, we'll, we'll give you an exception this time. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, Leah, do you want to go first? Um, sure, yeah. I think I would give it a five Jewish stars. It it just feels Jewish all around. Um, the story and the characters and I think the actors, um, the writer, like all of those things I think are, are important to, to think about, you know, in terms of Jewishness. Uh, yeah. Okay. Harry? Yeah, no, no, that seems fair. I think this, I wanted so badly to zag on here and be like, well, they kind of don't go into these and it's more yeah, of like yeah, a 3.5. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not going to do that because one of the things that I, you know, there are some movies that we've done where people are like, oh, that has to be like a, a five, you know, even mm-hmm. Yentl in some ways. I don't remember what I gave. That I might have given a five 
already. So no one quote me on this because I'm sure you could just find the episode. Yeah. But yeah. like there are some movies that people think are obvious vibes. And I talk about them and I say, yeah, it's Jewish characters in a Jewish world. But like the themes at the heart of this are so universal that it, it's almost like it's using it. It's an incredible use of a Jewish context to tell a story. But the story is really more coming of age, more of this. What I think this movie does really well, not only does it hit all of the categories in terms of Jewish representation, Jewish content, Jewish themes, but I think where the themes of the movie are directly in, you know, questions that come up by being an observant Jew. Like these are the questions that you always have to deal with on, you know, tradition and where the lines are like this feels, I don't know if that was a disagreeing head nod, Daniel, but I'm, I'm eager to hear what you have to say about that. But I, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> to me... To me, there, of course, are themes of, you know, coming to your own, of learning to understand your children. I mean, these there are things that can be applied broadly, but so much of this movie is enabled. Like, you couldn't do this movie in a different context because so much of it is enabled by the questions that come up with any religion, with Jewishness, with, you know, the specifics of Judaism. So I think I'm, I have to give it a five. Like, the only, you know, other thing is that, you know, you mentioned director Norman Jewish and not Jewish, you know, cast the crew is what we think of. But Daniel, I, I'm just appealing to you. His name is Jewison. Like, I know. <laughs> I cannot believe yeah. you. You, you cannot ding this movie. So right now, I'm going to agree with your five, Leia. We're coming in hot with two fives. You know, so far, this is the highest rated movie we've done on the podcast. Daniel, what do you have to say about that? It's up to me to ruin it, huh? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Good I feel very Jewish. No, okay. I mean, yeah, it's a very Jewish thing to be like, what you guys like. No, I, I mean, everything that has been said thus far... I mean, it's it's such an incredible film. I think I was nodding before about your head nod because you mentioned something about Orthodox Jews and whatever. I, I don't necessarily feel like any sort of Jewish, you know, you don't yeah. need to be whatever. I think anybody. Right. I, can, I think I, yeah. I said uh, observant, but yes, oh, yeah, you don't yeah. have to oh, necessarily be. Yeah, I think, you know. I just meant anyone who like, you know, Jewishness is a part of their lives, but I appreciate sure, sure. the, uh, the yeah, clarification. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, this is such a good depiction of Judaism, you know, it's nice to sort of see like poor Jews on screen. I feel like lately, you know, there's been a lot of hubbub about, you know, oh, Jews are depicted this way or that way, you know, in modern cinema and recent, whatever. Um, so it's it's nice to see, but back to my ratings, because I know that's what you're waiting for, Harry. Um, I mean, I, I do feel like, if, for our 50-ish, I'll forget the fact that his name is literally Jewison and he's not Jewish. But, you know, uh, I think, you know, the only thing that like rubbed me the wrong way is that like they said good Sabbath to each other. And like, yeah. eh, you couldn't say good Shabbos. Like it's a, it's another one of like that I could have dinged it for, which is what we said earlier about this. This isn't necessarily a for a by Jews for Jews. This is showing sure. very broad and maybe the sure. most of you know, the five out of five. But I don't think the five out of five needs to be, you know, only deep cuts like. I don't no, mind that sure. this movie is telling the Jewish story to the world. You know, but like there was tons of other Hebrew in the film. Like he's getting no. ready for Shabbat and he's saying like Ashrei. And then there was like other That's stuff true. in there. And like there was plenty of Hebrew and Topol is, you know, as an Israeli guy, he could have pulled it off. I feel like they. That's true. I don't know. So like, I'm not going to ding it though, because I want to, you know, Shalom by it. You want to keep the peace on the podcast <laughs> here. I'll give it a five as well. Harry, you've pressured me into it. Please. <laughs> the Jewish but I mean, life. no, this is a great film. I recommend, you know, everyone, you know, sure, check out the, the clips on YouTube to get the songs. But I really feel like sort of getting the full scope of the story. It's, you know, it's a three hour movie. So, you know, build in your snack breaks and whatever. But it's it's the way that you kind of get to know, like you're saying, like you're, you're getting to know 
uh, Tevia and and beyond his singing, but like the way that he has conversations with himself and with God and with other people, it's 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 beautiful. I love it. So um, five stars for me. Uh, Leia Gottfried, thank you so much for being here on Juice on Film to discuss this momentous film on our momentous 50-ish episode spectacular. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, is there anything you'd like to tell folks about, you know, maybe help uh, folks understand a little bit more about Soon By You and tell them where they could find it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. This was super, super fun. Um, and yeah, I would love to share about Soon By You. It's a web series that I created. Um, and Soon By You comes from that phrase where like at a an event at a wedding, um, young single Jews are often like bombarded with the like, you should be next soon by you. And so that is where the title comes from. Um, and that's what a lot of the show is about. Uh, it's about young observant Jews dating and living in New York City. And we have eight episodes out. You can watch it on YouTube or HiFlix. Um we're working on on some new episodes, so yeah, stay tuned about that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been like a passion project for me, so I created the show and also write, co-write, and, and direct um, all the episodes, and I act in the show. So there's a lot of me in it, um, but I would love for people to check it out. Fantastic. And uh, can I ask about Dignity Entertainment? Is that okay? Yeah, of so course. So you want to tell us a little bit about what Dignity Entertainment is? Sure, sure. So um, just as a profession, I'm, I'm a filmmaker and I do, uh, I direct and produce and write all kinds of film projects. Um, I love working on, on projects that have meaning um, and are inspiring in some way or um, just feel important to me. Um, and so I do short films and commercials, a lot of music videos. Um, I love doing those and promotional videos, things like that. Um, I love working on Jewish content, but I, I work on all kinds of content. Um, yeah, and that's that's part of, of what I do. Awesome. Um, so you just talked about music videos, and if you haven't already, you did an incredible uh, Maccabees Purim video that I wanted <laughs> to ask you about, um, starring <laughs> former guests of the podcast, former fellow board president of, co-president with me, uh, Simon File. So I wanted to um, sort of ask about the shoot and what it was like, you know, doing a Maccabees video and working with Simon. Yeah. Oh yeah. First of all, Simon is the best. Yeah. Um, Can he, confirm. Yep. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's awesome. Just like I say, human and as an actor. So he was in Seen by You and I brought him to play Hanlon in uh, the Maccabees video. He just like killed it. He was so funny and, and intense. Um, but yeah, they reached out to me to do a video and they... I really wanted to like focus it on on Esther's story. Um, and we filmed in this really cool castle um, all in one day. And Whoa. yeah, yeah, it was like an eight hour shoot for all all the whole video. But it was just like a blast to work with them. Um, it felt like like summer camp energy somehow. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. There was like a lot of great high energy. Um, I had a wonderful team of people working on that video. Um, yeah, and, and working with Simon was just so, so great. He is just like up for anything. He's like one of those actors where you like throw out an idea and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll just do that, you know, and come up with things on his own. So we had so much fun just like playing with the different like evil moments 
Um, but I'm, I'm really proud of that video. It was really fun to do. And I think, like I said, like a meaningful piece of Jewish art. Yeah. It definitely gets a lot of plays in this house. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> my daughters. I'm, I'm love sorry, that and yay. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's it great. It does get stuck in your head. And it took me a long time to get it out of my head. Um, it's, it's like a parody of the "We Don't Talk About Bruno" song, and so I can't, I can't watch it anymore. Otherwise, it will get stuck in my head. So after like a year or so, it's, it's gone. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We will, uh, we, and we'll definitely link that in the description so that our listeners can similarly get it kind of running through their head. Right. Because right. it's great. And they should see your amazing work and Simon's amazing work in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to transfer back, or I want to like transition back rather. I want to transition back from, from Shushanpur and back to the old country for a second for a special bonus round question that I was thinking about the whole time I was watching it. Um, so like which which character would you if this was like a BuzzFeed quiz, they would be like, which fiddler on the roof character would you most identify with? Um and why? Well This is open for all participants of the podcast, Harry. So get your, you know My God, that's such a good question. Um yeah. and you could pick multiples. You could be like, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. There's no wrong answer. So I'm going to say a little bit of, of Tebya in the way that he, I loved and related to his like constant communication with God, where he's just like, what are you doing to me? Like, you know, I thought we're friends. Um, and <laughs> I relate to that. And and I try to sort of live in that way where you're, there's just like this sort of constant communication with God. And um, I loved, I loved that. And Probably like a little bit of all are the daughters. Um, I definitely relate to growing up as like a Jewish woman and like the assumptions about marriage and the pressures about about marriage that they all sort of have. Maybe Huddle, I think, okay. would be yeah, because she. I like that she like allowed her mind to be opened, and I I kind of relate to that like exploration of, of new ideas mm -hmm. um and choosing choosing her own life so yeah and hodel was the one who uh you know ultimately uh married perchik and then i think he was sent off to siberia so yeah. now she like yeah. follows him to siberia <laughs> yeah uh, it's dedication yeah. But, yeah that i wouldn't I'd do but <laughs> just for the record okay. just for the record i would never uh, never okay. do that understood i mean that's fair yeah harry what about you i hadn't thought about that so much when i was watching it i mean i had characters that i really you know i enjoyed watching i mean i liked a lot of the answers you just said about you know the characters especially who kind of change their view and open their minds as it goes on like that's that's obviously who i aspire to be but i like muttle he was a lot of fun when he's like you know he really really loves there he's working hard he gets his uh sewing machine that was uh it was exciting. I don't know. I know. I'm trying to think of like the analogs to my own life. Like I don't, sure. I don't, I don't sew, you know, there are other hobbies that I have. I, I do a but podcast. You're a hardworking podcaster. That's, that's, you know, I, I like to believe the modern I day Taylor. I would say. A podcaster. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's sure. what people say. They say it's, it's one-to-one. Yeah. So yeah. So I am muttle the podcaster. Maybe that's how I'll introduce myself in our next episode with no context. Just see who gets it. <laughs> but I feel like there have been moments where you're like, uh, is it okay to say Jess's name on the podcast? 
Go for it. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's been moments on the podcast where you're like, Jess, Jess, come look at our new arrival. And then you show her like a new microphone and she's like, what? Like, I don't. <laughs> that actually, that actually sounds a lot like some of like my cooking gadgets uh, and appliances okay, so that I get really excited okay. about. So now that I think about it, there's a reason that's all I was really drawn to him, the way he's all, you know, enthousi- over-enthusiastic about something that not everyone else. Well, people do seem to get on board of it. I mean, yeah. people get excited when he gets but it. But not those closest to him. Right. right. Maybe they don't get it. And then, you know, it takes some convincing. So sure, that's all it is. So yeah, you don't you understand, Jess, it's like a core of, for pineapples. All you have to do is twist it and then it, you don't have to cut it. And it pops right out. It's amazing. I don't have one of those. Harry, there, I got to get but... back to work. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. But Dana, yeah. you asked the question. So did I you did, have someone I did. in mind? Was there? I think I so. I mean, um, I'm going to kind of go, uh, you know, and borrow a little bit, Leia, from your answer in terms of just like picking a couple of different people, because I also, you know, I have two daughters, so I'm somewhat like Tevia. They're considerably younger than all of the, the girls in the story. But I think the way that like we interact with each other, you know, um, there are some similarities, but obviously very different because, you know, long time ago, but, it, you know, um, and I also just like a little bit from like Motel and his sort of like work ethic, you know, he's like a, a hustler, you know, he, I feel like if, if Motel was around today, he'd be a big fan of like, you know, grind culture, like, you know, people on social media are like hustle and grind and work all the time. Um, I think Laser Wolf maybe was, you know, he, he does all right, but he's like, yeah, you know. He's got a different vibe to him. Uh, he's because he's sort of already made it. Um, but I would probably say like Motel's work ethic, sort of, and and sort of Tevia's outlook on life, his sort of sense of humor. He's like very funny, uh, and Topol, you know, Topol as Tevia like really kills it with some of these lines, some of these jokes. So I think that would be my answer. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Any uh, any closing thoughts on this momentous film? Um, Anyone? So good. So, so there's like, I feel like we could, I feel like the, like we could just talk about it for hours. You know, there's like so much to delve into. So I'm just. Let's do it. I got nowhere to be. I'm <laughs> not suggesting exactly. that. I'm just saying no, no, could. Yeah, yeah, we could. I, uh, I think people, I mean, we, we, we did a lot of broad strokes and had a really interesting conversation, but I think right. there will be people saying, you didn't even mention this song. Like right. it's my favorite sure. thing ever. I always oh, sing it. Like, yeah, you know, even yeah, yeah. like. If I were a rich man, which probably is the thing that I knew first about this movie before yeah. anything so else. Yeah. And like, no, we, we could get into it. No, my point is like, this is a huge movie, made sense for 50-ish, might have to do, you know, a part two for the 100th-ish or something just to, sure. you know, contain all of it. But I was just so thrilled to be exposed to, you know, this, you know, monumentous Jewish sure. movie that has stood the test of time. One more question, Harry. Favorite song? Because <laughs> you brought it up. Okay, because I mentioned it. Favorite song, yeah. I mean, offhand, it is Rich Man. I mean, that, yeah. like, Yabba Dibba Doo, which I'm not going to sing right now, is like, Come on, it's sing it. It's so good. It's... We, I mean, we can loop this in so easily that it's wow. not even worth, you know, breaking everyone's ears. If I were a rich man, Yabba Dibba 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 All day long, I bidi bidi bum If I were a wealthy man. But yeah, that one was, uh, is pretty uh, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite, Leia? Uh, I think Matchmaker is mm-hmm. probably my favorite. I I love that one. Was just so funny and fun, and like spoke to so much of their <laughs> their like conflicting um, feelings. I loved I love that one. Yeah, 
I found myself like humming and singing along, like singing it in my head after watching it just because it's so good. And I think the film benefits enormously from like being able to say all this heady stuff in such catchy songs. Not a hot take. Everyone knows these songs are great, but I feel like I think the combination of like tradition maybe and like sunrise sunset, like the, the way it's a strong That's opening a nice to do like tradition where you have like that sort of quick cut montage of like all these like close ups of like, you know, people's faces or the Torah or the stained glass windows or the people moving around like that as like a little music video, I think is like very effective in kind of introducing us to that world. Uh, sunrise sunset is kind of like, I think it's sort of the end of the first act of the film. And, you know, because I think the film is uh, set up similar to the play where there's like an intermission at the beginning. So that's sort of the end of the the first act. And that's, I think, when the the, the wedding takes place between Motul and Saito. Uh, so those are my two picks. But this is the, this is similar to like a Jewish goodbye where we like try to end the podcast, but it just takes forever. <laughs> so. Daniel. Yeah, you had a lot of questions there to run it off the end. Normally we give the ranking. We I know, goodbyes, I know. I'm sorry. I love I'm so- it. For the 50-ish episode, yeah, we have to, we have to, we have to. It's allowed, right? Yeah, but I think I think now we can actually say goodbye and uh, <laughs> thank you again, Leia, for coming on to the podcast. Uh, everyone, please go check out Leia's work. It's incredible stuff. Uh, check out Soon By You. We'll put a link to the show notes. And um, yeah, Harry, anything to plug on this 50-ish episode spectacular? No, just thank you all if you've made through 50 episodes or if you recently joined it's so cool i you know we when we originally joked about like fiddler oh yeah we'll do it at 50 i think in my mind i didn't think we were going to get to 50 so it was an easy way to like push things off and it's incredibly exciting to be here so thank you daniel for you know getting us to 50 thank you leo for being here you know another wonderful guest for this you know pretty uh big occasion for us and you know here's to the next 50 ish all right and until 6 13 right Absolutely. And then we're done. And then it's, okay. it's a hard out. Yeah. Hard out. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Jews on Film. You can follow us on all the social medias. We'll put links into the show notes. And uh, have a good one and Shabbat Shalom. Bye. Becky. Jews on Film is hosted and produced by Harry Ottensasser and Daniel Zana. Daniel and Harry edited this episode. Follow us on Instagram at Jews on Film and subscribe to our podcast to get new episodes. Thanks for listening.